<clears throat> All right, JD, welcome to uh, our next episode of Guide from the Perplexed. As we we're saying, this will be about 30 minutes or so. So we'll call this a, sh a shorty with Morty. A shorty with Morty. That's, yeah. that's it. Uh, hashtag shorty with Morty for those of you who use hashtags and follow things. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, so I, so before we're, we get into this week's discussion about, we'll talk about thoughts. I wanted to, um, I noticed something in last week's um, Torah portion that, that connected mm. with um, our, the conversation we had with Trav the other week. So it's in Genesis uh, 18. And the scene is, you know, Abraham has just, yeah, he was just, he circumcised himself. I wonder if he actually circumcised himself. That would have been wrong. Must, right? Who else? Or was maybe, what was his servant? Eliezer, Eliezer. Yeah, Eliezer. So to set the stage, right? Abraham had just circumcised himself. Um, and, you know, this supposedly the three days afterwards are like very painful. And so he's sitting in his tent and it says, um, God appeared to him uh, by the terebinths of, of Mamre. He was sitting at the entrance of the tent as the day grew hot. So he's sitting with, so he said, God actually came to visit him. And then what happens, right? Abraham looked up. And he saw three figures standing near him. Perceiving this, he ran from the entrance of the tent to greet them and, and bowing to the ground. He said, my lords, if it please you, do not go on past your servant. So he said, so he sees these three men that are nearby. And he's like, wait, like, hold on, God, let me go. They just hold that thought. And he runs to meet them. Mm. And he says, um, you know, let me you know, give you a little water. Let me wash your feet. And then he continues to... Um, make this whole meal for that. From here we learn it's preferable to serve right, other people mm. than to kind of sit with, with God, right? Or something like that. What, what, what do we dream of, right? On the spiritual path, like what more is there than to actually sit with God, right? In your tent, be like, all right, that's it. I've achieved this, nothing else matters, right? But Abraham is, is at that point but when he sees a need, he sees three people that, that he thinks could use some, some help, you know, some food, some water. He, he runs out and, and does that. Yeah. So, you know, when we spoke to Trav, you know, we were talking about this idea that maybe the whole, mm. the idea of, of self-help or self-development, that is better to kind of get the self out of it and just to see how you can help others do more help and less self. Right. And so that's, part in the in the uh you know in in the torah to me like made me made me think about hmm. that. i really like that and i think it's also really funny that the thing that you connected with trav was like your weekly torah portion and thing that i connected was a seinfeld episode making fun of that, hmm. that concept yeah. <laughs> like right. where where for those of you seinfeld fans it's the uh old man episode and, you know, George, Jerry, and Elaine are sitting at the diner as they do. And Elaine talks about having signed up to volunteer to spend time with old people and how she feels better already. She hasn't even done it. She just signed up for it. And she already feels good. And George goes, I, who, like, he's, he's just, his mind's been like helping other people. Of course, of course, right. that's it. He has its moment. Like, why didn't I think of this? And it's like, right. yes, that correct. Like, that's, if you haven't, and, you know, when, 
that Seinfeld's uh, one of the major premises are there these incredibly selfish, entitled 30 something year olds in New York who are really living only of and for themselves. And the season, the, the, the series finale addresses that, but yeah, just such a great reminder of like getting lost, how easy it is to get lost in that. And this notion of self and self cultivation and, and uh, maybe serving others, being with others, being present, being in our lives is, is is maybe more more what it's about or at the very least i don't know more or less but as ever depending on where anyone is coming from um just a way to check in and temper yeah excuse me temper things and i think so too you could you could be lost in trying to serve others and lose maybe any sense of self and that can be unhealthy and harmful too so as ever uh, a nice, a nice balance, but yeah, I really, I like that idea. It, may, it makes me think too, in the Buddhist sense of, I think like the, the Bodhisattva, right? Like someone who is in, you know, enlightened or whatever, spiritually advanced, but doesn't go live in a forest or in a monastery, but like comes back and hangs out among people because that's, you know, that's what it's about. That's what being right. in human form is, is to be with, be in human form with others. And right. So we'll use that as, as a segue to get into, oh. so I think we're, we're you know, we, we are going to dig into lesson 10 in, in um, Course in Miracles. And just like, you know, I think we're, we're, this is a new model that we're using a new text. And so we'll figure out, I mean, the listeners are probably intuited or that we're, we're figuring this out as we, as we go and we'll see what works. <laughs> and sometimes we'll dig in, dig into one lesson. Sometimes we'll look for themes, yeah. but Lesson 10 is that my thoughts do not mean anything. So, yeah, we have thoughts on on um, what we should do, what we shouldn't do, what's going well, what's not going well. And then Course in Miracles says that that all thoughts do not mean anything. Mm-hmm. And he's very specific that it's about all thoughts. It's your bad thoughts and your good thoughts. And the practice is to... Search your your mind. You spend a, a minute or so and and just let the thoughts come. And you say, like my thoughts about whatever do not mean anything. So my mm. thoughts about yeah the meeting that's coming up do not mean, mean anything. My thoughts about issue I'm having with my child doesn't mean anything. The stress about um, you know planning a trip with my family doesn't mean anything. Like all you know just whatever thoughts come up, just say you know, they don't mean anything. What does that what does that mean? Right, that mm. they don't mean an, anything. What comes to mind for you? Like, as far as it means, so like, what are, what are thoughts even? Yeah. Yeah. And, and something for my fellow, like, I say this with, with, with love, but like pain in the ass logicians were like, well, if your thoughts don't mean it, like then the thought about the thoughts, not meaning anything also doesn't mean, you know, there, there's a sure. sort, sort of like circular thing happening here that I, every time I go back to this chapter that comes up for me a little bit of like, it's almost paralyzing because any thought you're about to have any word she writes and anything by that logic would have, you know, quote unquote, right. does not, does not mean anything. So it's an interesting kind of pickle <laughs> to, to be in, to recognize that or try to work on noticing or or playing with this notion that my thoughts don't mean anything, including that thought and every thought and and again it's we so much of our life is in 
thought. And any idea or notion or sense of anything is a thought. Any any attempt to put anything in words, if you're describing a, a feeling or a pain you have, it becomes a thought. I think it's a it's a tricky one, and it almost feels a bit like a Zen cone of some kind of just by saying it, it's already contradicted itself. And, mm-hmm. and yet there's a beautiful truth nugget there that we can hold, even as it's hard to hold. Again, that was my kind of initial take when hitting this chapter the first time of like, uh, what do I do? All, all my thoughts are thoughts, they all mean nothing. But then kind of actually trying it on for size and playing with it and noticing like, okay, let's, let's pick a thought. My thought of, you know, as, as each one crosses your mind, you say, my thought about blank does not mean anything. And this idea will help to release me from all that I now uh, believe. I think that's the follow-up phrase to, to the exercise. And it just, whatever it does or doesn't mean in a literal sense, it's a really cool exercise. And I encourage those of you who, uh, especially if you're feeling tough feelings about it, as you hear us talking about it, and it sounds like you're gaslighting yourself, right? That you're saying, oh, my thoughts don't mean anything. Like, why, what? Try it, on, try it on for size. It's it's kind of interesting to see that any thought is just, it feels very much house of like a house of cards. You realize that this thought, or I, I realize in here, let's, let's take a, a thought, not speak in the um, abstract. Uh, I'm having a particular concern about, um, as we often choose work work examples, a deal we're working on that the borrower now changed last minute. And instead of a master tenant, there are going to be three different tenants. And now the lender has to somehow get okay with this. And I find myself feeling like, oh, why did the borrower have to complicate things last last minute. Okay. That's my thought. So my thought about this deal does not mean anything. Well, okay. That thought about a borrower complicating something there, just look at all the assumptions that are baked into it, that there's somewhere else that we should be, that things should somehow be different or easier or simpler than, than they are, that people's business plans and needs should fit smoothly into what I've built and, and really just like picking it apart piece by piece, like, you know, like Jenga tower, and you just remove like the Jenga metaphor, right? You ideally you're taking the loose uh, blocks in Jenga. So as not to topple the tower. So kind of picking at these thoughts, it's almost like take whatever comes easiest, the, the, the things that are easiest to see that, okay, clearly that's doesn't mean anything, or that's based on something. And you keep going, keep going, keep going. And eventually the whole tower does kind of crumble and like going through this exercise about anything, whether it's a work problem, a quote unquote problem or personal problem, as you pick it apart, you get back to, I think for me, the present moment where there actually, there isn't a problem. Like if I can keep pulling away the Jenga blocks of this work thing, and then the the lender might not approve it, then the client will be upset that I'll have wasted all this time. We won't make the money. We won't close. The clients won't use us again. The lenders will be annoyed because we wasted their time. Great. Now, I'm still sitting here in a room talking to my friend. Do I have, is is there a problem? It's like, oh, not not really. I'm alive. I'm healthy. I'm in a safe space. I'm in connection. Yeah, all of my thoughts about that were just, that's all that they were. Right. 
right? And and where do they even come from? Right? I think that that's one mm. thing that, that we have it you gain from meditation. Right? We have this idea of like, oh, I'm you know, who uh, was it? Descartes who said, I, I think, therefore I am. Right? Mm. How do you know that? What does that mean? I think. I think that we 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 believe that if I'm thinking, it means that I'm creating that thought. Right? That mm. somehow I'm generating that that thought. Is that really our experience? You know, when mm. you sit and you just watch, first thing, you know, when you start with meditation, the first thing that comes to mind is, I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not going to be able to mm. sit. Like, oh, this chair is uncomfortable. Am I doing this right? Is my back straight? Or am I, you know, is it, what's that noise? Like, oh man, now my focus is uh, disrupted because I heard a uh, car horn outside, right? Your mind just starts going through it, right? So it's almost like the, mm. the ticker, you know, at the bottom of the, like a news channel, where it's just all these thoughts just hmm. start, just come, right? And I used to play this game when I was uh, a kid sometimes where I would, like, I'd start by thinking about one thing. Then all of a sudden I'd catch myself, like, you know, a few minutes later, and I'm thinking about something totally different. And then I try to, like, piece back, like, wait, how did I get to that thought? It's like, oh, right, I was thinking about uh, my test tomorrow. And then that made me think about the teacher and their name rhymes with Penner, and then it made me think of pens, and then it, these thoughts just keep on, on flowing, right? But what we want to do, what we naturally do is we identify with them. We think, if I'm having that thought, it must be real. The reality is that, like you said, right, most of those thoughts are, is it real, or is it just like an idea, an opinion? You know, it reminds me in some ways of like a social media feed now, mm. right? Like if you, if you look at Twitter, right, you could look at Twitter and sounds like the world is going to blow up. It's going to like self-destruct because of this. But when I woke up this morning, the sun still rose. I still have to get my kids on the bus. We still mm. had our podcast. Yeah, I still have my, my health. Like, and not to minimize the issues that are in the world, but is that really true that social media makes you feel like mm. those ideas, all these thoughts that people are having, have a lot more reality to them than is actually the uh, may actually be the case. Yeah, and and I think uh, something that occurs to me in this chapter is interesting with the social media is just the profusion of media over the last say hundred years and thinking about the human experience, hundred maybe it's hundred and fifty. I don't know exactly like when say newspapers became super common more than 150, give or take, years ago. That doesn't mean people didn't have thoughts and sayings floating around their heads. And there's obviously something wonderful about our time and being able to be exposed to so many different thoughts and ideas and yeah, ways of connecting like on this podcast, which would not be possible otherwise if we lived in different, you know, states. Living living in a world where so much is written word or digital word or spoken word, just there's so much thought, mm-hmm. so many ideas, so much there, all of which is being presented as if it's reality and that's maybe an interesting thought like saying something isn't real or it does not mean anything like what do we mean by that doesn't mean anything i mean it means something i think or on on some level like that means something to me to you and what i think she might be getting at with it doesn't mean anything is it's not that it's nothing so much as recognizing like you said that it's just one part 
of one thought of one experience that's changing and that may come from who knows where to begin with and how does it compare like you were saying to the reality that you're actually experiencing interesting too i think she talks about how this is different from the earlier exercises and for those of you who remember from previous weeks that you kind of look around the room and say you know this table i don't see this or doesn't and, and this is a little more inner focus it's not so much looking at external objects as it is noticing the, the currents of thought in our own heads as they they flash by our own little news channels of of mind that are constantly saying these things and she says this aspect of the correction process began with the idea that the thoughts of which you are aware are meaningless outside rather than within and then stressed their past rather than their present status now we are emphasizing that the presence of these thoughts, in quotes, means that you are not thinking. This is merely another way of repeating an earlier statement that your mind is really a blank. And that's kind of an interesting like concept too, right? Like our mind really being a blank. How does that strike you? And the other part that I'll just add on to that is then, then I'll, I'll address it. But sure. they say that when you're doing this exercise, you should also maybe start and end with saying that this idea will help to release me from all that I now believe. That's also what challenging is like that we have to let go of everything we, we believe. What does that mean that we're not thinking, right? That our mind is, is really blank. I guess what it means is that let's say if you go to a movie theater, right? And you look at the screen, well, there's a picture on the screen. Does that mean the screen is the picture? No, there's, a, there's actually a projector coming from the back of the theater that's projecting this image onto a blank screen. The screen is actually blank. So there is somehow there is that idea that some that the thoughts are coming from somewhere, but the thoughts are actually coming from some external projector and they're being projected on, onto your mind. But your mind itself is not the thought. Your mind is blank. This idea of releasing me from all I, I now believe, you know, it also made me think of story from actually the same Torah portion last week, hmm. which is the uh, the binding of, of Isaac, which is like the craziest story, right? You so see, you have Abraham, he's you know at the age of, I don't know, 99 is promised that he's going to have like a son. Sarah is barren and miraculously like now has this child. All of a sudden, you know, it seems like promises that God made are going to come true. And then one day God says, all right, Abraham, actually that son that I gave you, that I told you was going to be like your future and your legacy, sacrifice him to me. Go bring, you know, go bring him up, tie him down and, and slit his throat. What does that mean? Abraham is like, wait, isn't God like just? Isn't God kind? Like, isn't this all about love? At the very least, isn't God honest? Doesn't he like not lie? You said you're, this is going to, that my legacy was going to come through Isaac. So now you're telling me to kill him. So now you're a liar also. And the end of the story is that Abraham, does, he's, he has the, basically the knife to Isaac's rope and is about to slaughter him. And then an angel comes and says, all right, now I know you really love me. You don't have to do it. Don't you know, take him off the altar. I'm just like, right. It's like, gotcha. It's, it's the, I mean, the whole thing sounds, I mean, it, it's the most cruel test you can imagine. Like if you don't say, oh, there, that's a loving God. Maybe what we have to do is, or what Abraham was being tasked with was this idea of like, no, you do not understand anything. And just because in your mind, you think that God, it should be kind. You've created this projection of what kindness means because you know nothing. 
you understand nothing. The age old question of like why bad things happen to good people. It's like, you know, how can we understand that, you know, there are wars and there are people killing and that they're always, it's like, well, so you think humans shouldn't kill each other. It's like, okay, except that that's what they've done, like literally since like the beginning of creation, the first Adam and Eve in this, in the story of the Bible, Adam and Eve's own children, one kills the other, Cain and Abel, right? So society progresses and humanity moves like through that messiness. But it's, to me, it's, it's a threatening idea that we're supposed to release everything we believe because like, how do I know that up is up and down is down? Like it's, it's uh, mm. I don't know, that one's like a real challenging one for me. There's a lot there. I'm still taking that in. I, that's a really interesting read of the binding, uh, the, the near the near murder of, of Isaac. It makes me think of, of something that I, I think, again, as I often do, heard or learned from Michael Singer, which is in a way this notion that like, we actually do know there is a, well, maybe I shouldn't attribute this to him. I'm just going to say it. And <laughs> I don't know if he'd want, want me to say it in his name, but there is a deeper maybe knowing awareness, presence, whatever different ways of understanding this behind, like you said, that kind of screen of a mind onto which these thoughts are, are being projected. And this exercise that we're doing about all your thoughts mean nothing, which is not saying that all of our um, maybe inclinations or feelings or knowings mean nothing so much as some of the thinking mind, that part that like hyper- rational, monkey mind, chattering mind, whatever we want to call it. But there's a way in which, and this is the Michael Singer concept, he talks about when we've had a certain trauma, our mind and body, and often the response is to try and protect us against any future similar trauma. And so anytime anything that reminds us of this thing or gets close to it, we have all, adopt all sorts of defensive or offensive, sometimes postures and, and ways of being. And something that he he said is like, our body already, once the thing has happened, our systems already have learned and like, no, excuse me. Um, ah, that's a dangerous thing. You know, might want to try to avoid that. And it's actually our thinking mind, the way we respond with whatever, uh, I don't know, all these different behaviors or feeling triggered that if we could just let the thinking mind go and say like the system already knows and we don't need these extra thoughts and precautionary measures you know belt and suspenders as, as the saying goes and so too there's this way that maybe this chapter and this this lesson the saying is inviting us to let go of those very particular like intellectual thought concepts and constructs because underneath it we have a knowing and a wisdom of just thinking about like look look at look at all the things our system knows how to do that are never make it up onto that you know projector screen of the mind breathing and creating blood cell i mean all the things that from the time you're a you know fetus and figuring out how to build yourself before you have consciousness for the years before you i mean for what, two, two years of our lives, we don't even have conscious minds. And yet we know how to do everything. We know how to, you know, suckle for milk. We know we, we smile, we receive love, we want love, we can give love, we can express dissatisfaction. Like, and we don't have a conscious mind. And look, look at, look at, you know, obviously animals and plants and mushrooms, and they, they all know how to live in the world. 
And to your point, some of it seems strikes us as violent, right? Like a, a bird of prey or a shark or animal and any predator that subsists on eating other animals. Like, is that somehow bad or wrong? I don't know. That feels like a strange take on it. It's not that we have no true inclinations or thoughts or feelings so much as recognizing that the stuff that's playing in the movie theater up here, that is all constructed by ourselves, our cultures, our families, or whatever's. And underneath that or a movie that's playing at the same time, but we're just somehow not able to watch in that same theater is happening anyway. And there's like a deep knowing and reality that comes with that. Right. Like what's evolution? You know, it's you know, one thing that, that I don't know if we've talked about, but I, I've hmm. thought about is that the whole idea of like, like Darwinian evolution is like, what's the key to that? Right? The key hmm. is mutation, right? We think that you want to be like optimal, right? You want to be like, you're with the optimal thing, right? But all of a sudden there's a mutation, right? The first like fish that started sprouting like little legs was probably like really made fun of in class for having his little legs, you know, so to speak. Yeah. Right. That was the beginning of humanity, right? So it's somehow there is a wisdom in the universe that things kind of play out and develop. You know, looking back, it's like, you know, it's very easy to see evolution. You know, we can we can look back into our evolution from primates and from primates ultimately to fish and single cell organisms, right? Now it makes a lot of sense, but it seemed very chaotic and destructive and probably hopeless in every step of that. But somehow there's a knowledge underneath. So yeah, so maybe having that confidence stay with it. But this idea that like, no, like your thoughts that you don't know what you're supposed to do. It's like, no, you will, you will end up doing what you're supposed to do, right? Somehow, even though every day it's like, well, what should I do first? What should I do mm -hmm. second? Like how, you know, how am I going to do that? When you look back, it's like, like somehow you handled everything that, that came to you. I'm always worried about financials. How am I going to, pay for, uh, you know, what happens if like, you know, the market goes in the toilet and how am I going to pay for my house and how am I going to pay for my kid's tuition and this and that. Right. Mm. But some, I've had those thoughts every year for the last 17 years and somehow it, it always, somehow it always ends up work. It works out. And, and remembering that, yeah. yeah, part of, part of working out is sickness and death too, right? Like right. there's this way in, you know, we're all oriented in a lot of ways to, to be alive, to stay alive, to maybe create more life, maintain life. And yet everyone who has ever been born dies as far as we, right. as far as we know. Yeah. And there's no, no amount of thinking and planning and science, I don't think, I mean, I suppose maybe Ray Kurzweil and some futurists might, might disagree, but everyone we know and love and knew and loved will end up dead. When we're so busy worried, like this is going to work out as my perfect little plan is whatever. It's like, it, something's going to happen. And eventually, right. whether it's tomorrow or in 10 years, it's going to end for someone. I know we have to, to wrap on, on that note. So dark, disturbed thoughts, perhaps, but all meaningless anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right. Well, enjoy your meaningless day and meaningless week. And uh, yeah, yeah, maybe we'll talk about that some more because because yeah. I definitely have a natural negative reaction to the idea of meaninglessness. So mm. we can yeah, maybe Ooh, fun, fun talk about that and play with that. All right, Katie. Cool. Thus concludes our shorty with Morty. Shorty with Morty over and out. <laughs> All right. Bye. Thanks. Bye.